Hi friends, Joseph here and welcome to Home of Sound. We started Home of Sound and this podcast series with one main intention. To help artists, promoters, regular band owners, playlist curators and others in the music industry share their messages and vision of the world. And as a byproduct, we hope that these chats will make you get to know our guests as people. And that some of you will also get inspired by their stories, experiences, and work. Without further ado, enjoy today's guest. Manchester-based DJ and promoters Blasha and Alat join us for a chat about the music industry and their background promoting and playing a growing number of parties in the UK and internationally. The duo has been developing a strong bond by working together for years, share their passion for music and experience about the natural ups and downs of the creator's journey. Blush and Allat were first introduced to each other by a common friend. They almost instantly enjoyed playing records together and started DJing back to back. Eventually, with an extended group of friends, they started Meet Free, a well-respected regular event in Manchester that allowed them to host artists such as Ben Sims, High, Surgeon, Hector Hawks, Noor Jabber, Sunny Sharp, Claire Morgan, Manny D, Dr. Rubenstein, and many more. In this chat, we talk about their love for records and music, their history, and their learnings from working with other people, and also how they played ballroom, preparing for gigs, and the challenges of working as a duo. We discuss life experiences, including breaking Ben Sims' tooth, accidentally of course, and the ups and downs that creators, at least most of them, are likely to face. We look at how the scene is bound to evolve due to the recurring world crisis and the possibilities to have more space for the grassroots of the scene, the local artists. And we dig deeper into Blush and Alat's life ethos, doing what makes you happy and sticking to what you really want to do. Enjoy. Thank you for being here. It's nice to, to speak with you. No, good. thank you for having us. Yeah, yeah, thank you. Good to speak to you too. Great. And I, I know like, we, we, we chatted a little bit about like, the situation of COVID. Uh, how, how has the life changed for you both like, in the last month and a half? Um, so I've literally been at home for the past six weeks, I think. So, yeah, it's, it's completely different. Obviously, having a lot more downtime, so that's cool. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's a bit of a scary situation um, with us both working full-time. I guess it's just the worry of, of not having a job to go back to and um, the impact that it's going to have on the industry too. So, yeah, it's, it's a bit scary, but I'm just making the most of it at the moment. So, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah. We, we got to yeah. try... What was that? Sorry, I, I was saying, yeah, we got to try to make the master of it. Yeah, 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 definitely. I think, um, like, I I was furloughed from my job as of last Friday, so yeah, I've just been. It's still pretty. I guess there wasn't much change, like, because you know, like, I've worked from home before and stuff like that. But uh, to do that for, I think, pretty much close to two months now for me. Uh, was pretty hard um so yeah it's still a bit novel this week having um like a week not working so i'm pretty grateful for it i think like you know it could be a, like so much worse 
like uh, as a friend a close friend of mine her mom was in like intensive care um with it for like three weeks and she's she's just made the most like miraculous recovery um and that sort of lifted obviously my spirits and like everyone around uh so we just keep comparing it to like you know it could be a lot worse yeah mm-hmm. even if the dj industry implodes as we know it then you know yeah. i think we're still if we're not affected by it or any close family members aren't then yeah we're still considering ourselves pretty lucky yeah just um the positives yeah most definitely but yeah for me this has been my first week off and I'm sort of yeah. I must admit I am enjoying it. I think I just it was just really quite difficult having to look at a screen whilst both of your housemates are just like you know laughing and giggling because they haven't got to get up early for work <laughs> and I'm still there slaving away. So no, you joined the, the team now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean it's 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 I think it's important to look at the positive sides and uh, I think I agree, I agree with you. Like it's uh, so long as we have the health, like everything else is like like yeah yeah I I think to start with everyone was like you know I think because nobody knew the 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 sort of size of the situation and how much of an issue it was I think everybody was a bit maybe more focused on you know oh damn my gigs I've lost my gigs or I can't go to you know can't go on holiday Mm -hmm. and then now it's just like we're even grateful to to just like yeah to I guess to just have family safe friends safe it's sort of like as the whole situation has developed it's just like actually nothing else really matters just staying safe and just you know knowing that your friends and family are there when when everything's lifted and you can go back and resume so like yeah. I think DJing has definitely taken a back seat in my mind Obviously, I miss it so much, but mm-hmm. it's not the be all and end all. I don't think. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, the same. Yeah, and it's it's like I know that you, I saw on the Instagram of Meetfree that you have raised money to support workers in the industry, and congratulations! I saw that you you raised more than nine k that you're gonna donate to. Uh, is is it to a specific group or is it to people around Meetfree? So, so yeah, we can't actually take credit for it. Um, it's so it was like some core members of the Manchester and Salford scene, um, like one of them being Alice, uh, who we run Meet Free with. Um, it was like a group of of people, including the guys from High Hoops. Um, they really are the legs behind it. So I've got to give full credit to them. Um, and basically, they they set up this amazing sort of. Um, uh, c- campaign and yeah I, I mean I can't remember what the the last figure is now but yeah it's definitely heading towards the 10k mark and it's just to help people that have like lost their job uh you know any of the clubs in Manchester and Salford and then you know they sort of uh, open up an application process for them to uh you know to apply to get some money to cover just like basic costs and whatnot um mm-hmm. but they've, do, they've just done amazing and um, like we shared it off our socials uh as you would have seen yeah um but yeah they've it's just i didn't think it would go as well as it did i just didn't think you know that amount possible but yeah they've really they've really killed it so yeah. really been- proud of what they've done yes congratulations i mean uh, i think it's a, it's a great initiative and and it also brings to mind that uh, we are probably very united even uh, when we are not physically together. 
I think you will yeah, get better. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. And it does highlight the fact that people do, do still want to, like, there's still money there and people can still donate, even if they're not working. Obviously, everyone's like being a lot more cautious with spending, but, you know, there's still the money there and people want to use it to support other people. So, yeah, I'm really, really proud of them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Yeah, it's a, it's a good initiative. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it goes back to the going doing the the best of of the situation. It's like uh, there are there is a lot of uh, uh, unity connection of people still in this weird situation. Definitely, yeah. yeah it does make you proud to be a part of the scene. Yeah, and and one question that came actually from someone in in, in our audience from Instagram: uh, What do you think is the future of the scene? And this can be beyond COVID. So, where do you think the scene, the techno scene, of the underground electronic music scene is going? Is there anything that is changing? Yeah, I think um, probably there's going to be more of a focus on local DJs and up and coming artists, and hopefully not just around like a huge headliner. Because uh-huh. being promoters ourselves, obviously the costs of like booking these headliners, like after this situation, people aren't going to be able to afford it. Um, um, the the, the guys that are coming to the parties, they're not going to be able to pay um, the ticket prices that we'd need to charge. Um, and to be honest, I'm quite happy because we were sort of heading that way with our bookings. Like um, we wanted to look at, you know, sort of not booking massive headliners and just booking up and comers. So mm. I think if the focus is around like local artists and up and comers who you know really want it then yeah it's it can only do good for the scene yeah i feel like the bubble had to burst the whole business techno like sort of like the whole scenario was just getting too much just the price that agents were charging and the sort of demands you know you know just you can't even book a flight for a for a dj um it has to go through an agency and that itself just like probably doubles, if not triples the price of a standard flight. Yeah. You know, they're not like, DJs are still human at the end of the day. They're not, and shouldn't be treated as gods. And it's always one thing that's like vexed me. Just, you know, the, I mean, I think we've always been looking at meat free, but it has started to creep that way more so in the last two years, you like the demands. Um, I know now that, if we were to book some of the DJs that we booked earlier on, if we booked them now, I know their fees, like it's still established artists, I know that their fees would be probably twice, if not, you know, moving to three times what we would have paid for them back then. Yeah. Yeah. And I know all of these like stupid demands that come in. I mean, I just think, um, I don't even know sometimes if it's the artist that allows this to happen, but they, <laughs> willingly do contribute to that yeah because uh you know if they they still know what's on their rider they still know what has been requested and yeah yeah i i still know how much they're getting paid as well yeah i mean it's always been a very like we, we are notorious i would say well we probably are like always i mean every single promoter always tries to get the the best deal don't they but also i think it has to be at some point real from you know you look at the size of the venue we we put our parties on like the white hotels you know a 300 cap venue and some of the prices that get asked mm. i mean we 
we we tried to book someone very popular dj at the moment and uh we yeah we put a request in and i think it came back for like five five thousand pound um but you know if you can imagine that we need to pay for the cost of the venue and you know everything on top of that yeah. at a 300 cap venue you know i just i don't know where the agents artists are gonna have to cut their fees yeah um and quite dramatically i think if they want to play most um, because the, yeah. the larger clubs aren't going to be opening anytime soon so it'll be the, the smaller clubs so if you want to play you're gonna yeah. have to cut your, your fees by at least 50 percent, i'd say yeah for the, for the bigger artists so. and yeah i think it's um i think it's it's the first time we've ever had the industry turned completely on its head on its head uh sorry where um you've got the can we call the small fish at the bottom are going to be calling the shots and i think it's really interesting and i welcome it and yeah i'm just looking forward to seeing how the bigger DJs, you know, uh, maybe medium tier DJs respond to this because, like you say, we mm -hmm. just can't have the ticket prices. Like twenty pound tickets are probably just still going to be just, you know, it's going to be too too difficult um, for people to afford that if they've lost the job or they've had reduced hours or or yeah. whatnot. Yeah. So yeah, I, I think we're going to see a very different scene. I re I really hope we do. Yeah, something quite dramatic to change and to shake it up, and uh -huh. you know, because otherwise we would have just we would have just kept going, like you know, fees would have just kept going out of control, I guess. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's it's a seems to be a much needed reset of uh, the whole scene. That can can bring. My hope is also that it's going to bring some uh, more space for smaller artists for people who are up yeah. coming to play. Because I guess them being more available, you don't need to pay for flights. They're going to be even more difficult to to take, um, and being cheaper than headliners are going to be. It's an incentive for promoters to book them. So I think it's it might be like a, a good thing for for everyone. Definitely. Yeah, just just hope that the clubbers are ready for it. Yeah, and yeah. don't expect you to well, expect to still see these headliners. Yeah, yeah. It's also yeah. I so guess they've got to support the scene as well. Yeah. yeah. I guess it has to change from from every aspect, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. From agents to DJs themselves to the clubs, and yeah, most importantly, the clubbers. Yeah, yeah, it's it's interesting. Like I think a lot of people in the industry are, uh, at least the ones I spoke with, uh, believe that a lot of the price is being pushed up by festivals. That is, yeah. um, what has because essentially it's like having a club that has ten times more capacity. So they can afford bigger fees and that becomes the benchmark for headliners that then mm -hmm. gets translated into smaller club nights. But then, yeah. but then, it, yeah, the economics that don't stack up, especially I think in UK is very tough because the rental price of venues, the cost of running the venue, opening the show, just, you know, just opening the club is like thousands of pounds. And then yeah. what the staff cost, equipment cost if you rent it out, it's just very, very hard to yeah. it gets it's so difficult to put a party on i mean if i was i think if i was like starting out again i don't think i would probably have the confidence to put a part you know to promote a party or the money or the money yeah <laughs> like I'm, I'm glad it happened when i was probably a little less bothered about those aspects but yeah, yeah so yeah fair play to anybody sort yeah. of starting
and and hopefully like yeah we, we will find we'll find different and better ways to uh, to run practice and get people together yeah. and talking about meat free which is a I, I think I've, I've read your second party. You started with another uh, one called Fundamental. Uh, that was <laughs> no, it didn't last. <laughs> no. It didn't last. Okay. Do, do you want to you tell us a bit more about uh, the Fundamental and then how then became Meat Free? What's behind the Meat Free idea? Yeah. So I guess um, Fundamental, um, I can't remember how many people ran it. Can you? I think there must have been at least 10, 10. of us. Wow. And, um, it was like when we first started like partying in Manchester, wasn't it? So, I mean, as, as fun as it was, it wasn't ever going to go anywhere. Um, we, we didn't have any money commitments with it, did we? So it was, no. it was just a case of sort of playing it really and, and partying. But I guess the, the thing that went wrong with that one was that um, there was just too many cooks. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was mainly um, male mm. that were part of it, wasn't it? Yeah, so, yeah. Um, yeah, I guess off the back of that, that's how we started Meat Free. Um, Maybe as a sort of counter, sort of, uh, what's the word? Um, Reaction or, or... Yeah, to sort of the way that things had panned out with Fundamental. It yeah. was all very... Um, Chaotic. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and it, it was it was just very complicated, and I think we just wanted a a simplified sort of version of that, and just without the drama, which you know yeah. uh, was what we got really. Yeah, yeah, it worked for sure. And and essentially, like the so the the trouble with the too many cooks in the in the in the kitchen was that it was chaotic, or it was complicated to make decision, or something else. I, th I think it was because one person it was basically a guy that was like uh he was the booker for a club called sound control mm -hmm. before it shut um in i think it shut a couple of years ago but um he was the booker for it and uh ultimately he had all of the you know the control over everything and we were just sort of maybe there to I don't know, maybe to just help guide and, you know, to be residents and stuff like that. So we never really ever had full control. Um, but then that's why, like, we, like Meat Free was, um, was spawned because, yeah, we just wanted our, we just wanted our own say and our own control of, you know, who we booked. And, yeah, uh, yeah that's, that's how it came about. And it was, you know, it was the best thing we did. So I'm really happy for that experience and grateful for it, even though it was, you know, pretty testing at the time but yeah. you know you have to yeah it's good to go through things like that i'm yeah. glad we did that first before meet free yeah it definitely yeah. was a few lessons so yeah i guess they probably allowed you to do meet free in a much better way because you you yeah. you tested everything on <laughs> yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Definitely. there was um we had a chat with the bus uh, who is one of the two main promoters of um uh, vault sessions uh, the amsterdam party and, yeah. and he said, like, we, we, we did a lot of mistakes. Uh, and, and he said, but, but I started interpreting them as uh, learnings. So it's just a way for you to learn something new. So next time you do it, you do it better. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. definitely. Any mistakes or any things that didn't work that uh, you have learned something from that you, you managed to translate into, to bring to Meet Free? 
uh, mistakes from fundamental fundamental or maybe from the earlier days of meat free or, then yeah probably we made a few um mistakes in the early days of meat free i think um when we first started actually booking artists because to start with it was just on a pay what you want basis right. and those parties were fine because we didn't really have to pay anything out um but uh yeah i think it was the second party when we booked a couple of artists it was you and you and um, october and mm. um, we lost quite a bit of money on that one yeah i'd say like the lineup probably didn't really suit as well so maybe after that we sort of had more of a focus on do you know what what lineups sort of uh, what artists go together on a lineup yeah and um i think i think it was it alice that wanted to book i can't remember it was a while ago anyway yeah. um but yeah it was i'd, I'd say yeah we we sort of learned from then on that you know it was sort of got to make the lineup a bit more cohesive yeah it was important so, to focus on i mean you don't want to like focus on trends at all because you want to book who you want to book but i do think in the early days it does uh uh it definitely benefits you to book maybe more of a name to get you on the on you know uh get your foot in the door on the scene so people like you know want to come to the party and then you can sort of go down your own paths of um you know if you want to book up and comers if your name's established then you can go from there and yeah. i see that a lot with you know like high hoops when when they first started their party they went in big with uh dj sprinkles yeah, Marshall that, Jefferson. Yeah, Marshall Jefferson and stuff mm -hmm. like that. So it really put put them on the map and then now they're just like one of the most, you know, successful promoters in the UK for their, you know, their genre of music. Yeah, yeah. Because I guess that, that brings uh, enough people to then get to know you as part yeah. community and then eventually you, bring, you create your own community and they, they trust you, you can bring less known DJs. So I yeah. guess that's, that's the, the idea, yeah. It's yeah. a bit of like getting remixes to remix you, let's say, more known remixes than, than your core artists in the label because that brings additional people that might end up following the label work similar to... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and in Meet Free, what, was, what is the, the idea behind the name? I was uh, very curious about that. Yeah. So, um, basically... Uh, there were, well, there were six, six, six of us to start with and we were all girls. And um, it was just a joke, to be honest. It was Alice <laughs> that came up with it. it was, we couldn't think of a name for the, for the event. So um, she was like, how about Meat Free? And we just laughed in her face. We were like, no, we can't be called Meat Free. And then it just sort of, it stuck. And um, the meaning behind it is basically because it's, Ran by all girls that we've got no meat. Yeah, <laughs> no men. No, <laughs> yeah. So um, that's Blowing. that's basically it. But then obviously it's got other meanings like um, sort of uh, no sort of dickheads like yeah. <laughs> no yeah no meatheads. So yeah. Got it. Got it. Interesting. That was, that was the main sort of meaning behind it but, but it's yeah. always the ways and it's something that you say as a joke usually ends up sticking and yeah. that's you know and it's definitely given us like yeah a bit of a 
like there's been a bit of curiosity about it so I guess that's good for people wanting to know a bit more about the yeah. night and and to be fair when we first started out as well um people just used to think that it was like a lesbian night mm. so I don't know why but just because of the name they just and because we were all girls yeah. they thought that it was only girls that could come to the night as well yeah. but obviously when we started <laughs> booking sort of more established artists there's people sort of realised that, that that wasn't the case at all. So yeah. it's quite funny, really. Yeah, it was. Oh, I think yeah, it's, we got uh, a, a bit of a jit to start with, didn't we? Yeah, but I do, I do actually <laughs> like it now after all these years. <laughs> it becomes part of, of you, exactly. So especially yeah. when people uh, start uh, connecting that to, to the vibe, the party, like that. That's yeah. like, almost like it's been generated organically. <laughs> Yeah, and we don't take ourselves too seriously as well, so I think that sort of all plays in. <laughs> That's good. Uh, and, and and talking about your you as a duo, as a DJ duo, like what is something that is very hard that when you work as a duo? So you live together, you play music together, you probably travel together a lot, and what what is something that is like fuck? I wish we could do that better. Yeah. I think when we first started, it was a bit more of a struggle, wasn't it? I'd say now we do, we have our ups and downs now, but like sort of when we first started, like um, sometimes our sets lacked a, a bit of direction. Mm. So, or one person would want to play one sort of style and then the others and we're sort of playing off against each other. Mm -hmm. So that was a bit of a struggle to start with. But I'd say now that our tastes have probably aligned quite well and like we sort of just bounce off each other most of the time so definitely yeah I reckon it was just it was really difficult like it did take say. a while though it took oh, yeah. a good few years before yeah. we sort of started really. actually gelling together as you know yeah. a duo mm -hmm. so, and we're lucky in that sense that we live together so if that you know if that wasn't the case maybe it wouldn't have happened as quickly or at all yeah. um you know just having the the ability to just go and have a mix whenever you want and and it used to be you know we'd plan dj sets uh we'd never plan them obviously track for track but we would like sort of it would be a bit more regimented and a lot less like uh f like free free yeah and it just used to be quite it used to be quite a chore put it that way and it was like because you didn't really have that freedom to just play what you wanted. But then as Tash said, as it sort of just came together and, and now we sort of just like come from the same place. So um, yeah, it's much, much more fun now. And we don't really have to take as long planning our sets. Yeah. Sometimes yeah. not at all. You know, there yeah. have been times where we've just not planned and it's still gone well. So yeah. I take that as a good sign. Yeah. yeah. Do you practice a lot together? Not as much no. now. Mm -hmm. um, I feel like the past couple of years, like, it was getting a bit too much, to be honest, as well. Like, we were practising for, like, maybe, God knows, like, a, a full, full day, day sometimes of... for one set. And it was, and like, an hour or two. We were preparing before that, like, sorting records out, and it was just... The more gigs we were getting, the harder it was becoming. So we sort of set ourselves a bit of a, a challenge to sort of not not um, practice 
as much. Um, but we still, I mean, we still have a mix for a good few hours before a set, I'd say. But yeah. sometimes we feel like we don't need to or... Yeah, it's yeah. more just out of enjoyment Yeah. then. Um, so, for example, we'll, we'll have a set and we'll play, you know, the type of, type of um, set we think we should play. And then it'll just go off in a direction where we just like, we just play and just have a laugh. And so it's a bit nicer now. It's definitely a bit less stressy. Yeah, uh, and we're in a good place with it. Yeah, thankfully. What goes into the typical preparation? Like, do you have rituals that help you prepare? Do you have tools, ways to sort your uh, records or USB sticks, anything like that? Or is it now you, you have experience working together, experience playing, so you don't care? You just go with whatever you have, and then you figure it out on the spot. I guess. The, the main thing is we need to have a chat before the set and sort of speak to each other and see what sort of um, direction we want to take it in just to make sure that we're on the same wavelength. I suppose if we were playing on, because we, we do generally just play on records, so if you're playing on a USB, it might be a bit easier because you've got your whole, you know, Once, yeah. collection there on your USB. Um, so yeah, uh, I'd say we need to have a little bit more direction because we can only take so many records with us. But generally, I'd say we are on the same wavelength. So, but yeah, um, preparation-wise, I'd say just having a dig for your records, mm-hmm. picking up some old gems, buying. We do tend to buy new records for pretty much each gig. Um, even if it's just a couple mm. um, but yeah it's, I, I, I don't really like to play the same track too many times so mm. yeah. but I guess there are a, a few that we do rinse a little bit yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. do you steal each other's tracks? <laughs> I want to play that no no you don't you're not gonna play it <laughs> we have had a few <laughs> yeah like well, well, well what usually happens um and we'll usually really piss each other off like as soon as one of us has a record like if we get like a, a Juno delivery or whatnot like more so than ever the other the other person will like look at like they'll open the records they'll, the other person will look through it and then we'll be like got got that and it'll really piss the like for example if Tash does it to me she'll be like got that got that got that we just like winding each other up or sometimes even if I don't have the records records that she's bought I'll just say got 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 that one's coming in the post got that one too and uh yeah we just like to piss each other off and pretend that we had that track first but there is a bit of an etiquette isn't there because like if somebody's bought the the record maybe a month before we'll allow them to play that record for a bit before you're then allowed to play it yeah yeah so if you if you broke the record in the studio then you have like you're okay to play that all right so yeah and then when nobody else wants to hear it because it's like <laughs> a dead record and it's been played too much like then you know I yeah, can play it play. yeah <laughs> you can pick it up yeah again yeah <laughs> but we do we do buy a lot of the same music I think because obviously our tastes have aligned with mm-hmm. you know yeah yeah a lot of, uh, more you, recently than yeah. before yeah yeah we've got the same and, and I, I guess working together so much like you eventually develop uh, some kind of uh, it's almost like you co-develop uh, some kind of taste of music. You shape your own, each other's musical taste. and Exactly. Yeah, it's exactly that, I think. It's all, we're so lucky that 
um, at different points, um, one of us has sort of gone in a different direction, but the other one like has been really inspired by that. And that's encouraged us both to start digging more into the background of that subgenre of techno or, mm. uh, you know, what else? Um, and then like vice versa. So it's almost like we're both like pushing and uh, yeah, that's something I'm really quite happy about because yeah. um, it's Thank not you. just one way. And probably wouldn't have done it if we were on our own. Like, no. we probably wouldn't have been here. No. So it's nice that, you know, we're on this journey together. Yeah, Definitely. it is very nice. Like, uh, is there anything that uh, you, you think being together help you individually uh, develop? Like, I mean, like uh, the relationship that you have, is there anything that's, that can that contribute to each of your lives? So, for instance, yeah. something you learn from each other or... Yeah, I think um, I, I definitely think we've pushed each other because there's, I mean, there's there's like positives and negatives that anyone can say about doing it on your own or doing it with like with with two people, um, because I think it's like a confidence thing as well. It's sort of like yeah. maybe at times where I've just felt like our oh, stuff wasn't going great, I wasn't feeling my sound or my abilities, and then. Um, you know, having Tash there to be like, no, we can do this and we've done it before. And I know vice versa, like we both have naturally as creatives, you have insecurities and, yeah. you know, you know, you're always like battling with yourself. And I think to have someone else as a sounding board is definitely helps. Um, yeah. So I would say, you know, at times where I felt sort of not not as sort of driven and stuff then it's good to have Tash to sort of like pick me up I guess and uh keep going yeah. um yeah yeah so that that's the that's a positive yeah that I can take it yeah and it's self-doubt it's something it, it's crazy like uh I think it's normal for everyone in general like and for artists especially every time you put something out uh like there's going to be someone who doesn't like it for sure. Yeah, definitely. yeah, definitely. It's it's really yeah, it's quite scary. You know, you're always going through this like, yeah. Does anybody like like with a mix for us? Uh, you'll put it out and you think, oh, you know, is this going to be well received or, you know, did, did that set go okay? You just don't like. You can sort of gauge it from the crowd's reaction, but weirdly, there's times where we've played and we thought it was just terrible and. That's terrible, yeah just you know thought it was awful but then we'll have like like tens of people coming up and saying how good a set it was but yet we won't feel confident about it ourselves and then there's times where we've played like really really good uh, and then you know not that we need anybody to come and tell us but it's just weird because nobody would say anything yeah. and then you think oh that was you know it was quite a good set but yeah so I always find it's the times where we feel really down about a set that we have really good feedback so maybe we need those people to pick us up then after yeah <laughs> no yeah 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 so, yeah, yeah it's, it's good to have like a for sure like a close support someone who's there like being your cheerleader in a way that even when, when yeah, yeah. yeah. that's just our housemate usually yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> when you drag them to the gigs and they're like <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Then they get super drunk because they don't even like the music in general. They don't like the class. <laughs> yeah. Just someone that'll dance to anything. Yeah. They're like, yeah, your music sounded great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You do need that. I think like it would be lying if you said it doesn't feel good to hear people say they enjoyed your set. Like at the end of the day, you know, 
personally like it's so up and down with DJing you know sometimes you'll feel amazing after a set and you, you know and you sort of your sort of confidence as a DJ so is sometimes and actually most of the time depicted by how well you think it went so you can have an amazing gig and you'll feel on top of the world for the week and you yeah. have a bad gig at a, a party you really wanted to perform at and then you'll feel really down and like you'll look at everything you know just start doubting yourself yeah so it is a constant up and down like and I think yeah it's important to know that for anyone getting into DJing you're just constantly gonna you know be up and down but you know yeah. most of the time it's definitely got a lot better though recently. I think we like we made a decision to sort of stop playing certain gigs and which we knew were bringing us down. Um, like certain, just yeah, just certain. You know, if we didn't get a good vibe from something, then yeah, decided like best not to just accept everything. So, yeah, 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 and I think that's really helped with like. Uh, you know like how we've viewed DJing and how positive the experiences have been so if we've been having you know we had a really we went through a period of having a brilliant run of gigs for you know a couple of months three months or something and every gig was brilliant and I think that was reflected in the decision we took you know to just not accept every gig like yeah. you say yeah um there's a real power to saying no India it's very interesting and I, and I, I think a lot of that comes down to I mean we're all humans so we tend to overweight stuff that are negative so we get one negative feedback and we feel like super shit we get the same yeah. equivalent good feedback and it's like yeah great for 10 minutes and then it's like gone yeah, yeah exactly yeah. it's just it's so bizarre that the human brain is locked into the negative and that one yeah. negative can outweigh everything and all the good positive things that have come before it it's just strange but yeah evaporate yeah. Yeah. Hopefully we can uh, get out of that mindset one day. Yeah. I mean, it's 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 uh, even the fact that you are aware. I think is is also like uh, it's a big step because you know that that is the case, and you are being selective with the gigs you 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 want to dedicate time to. So eventually, that would be there was no ball into you feeling much better about everything you do, about all your all of your work. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. It, yeah I was speaking with, with Manny D a few weeks ago, and then he he, he told us uh, actually on on this podcast, he told us the his first gig at Bergheim, and he was like super happy because he went there with the idea, oh it's a super open crowd, he had a lot of fun, and then he got trolled on the internet by a lot of people who were saying, oh this was shit, it sucked, they went home like like imagine oh, that, yeah. that's oh my god yeah. that's got a bit. Yeah. One of the worst sort of um, yeah things to read on the internet. Yeah, but but he is a he's very like con conscient or conscious of that, and then he's aware of that, and then it's like I mean like what can I do? I, I don't give a shit eventually. I'm still here. I still like doing my music. So and I think that that's also the realization. Whenever we put something out, the there's gonna be someone who doesn't like it, and we yeah. need to be able to face that. Otherwise, we're we're, we're doomed. Doomed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to accept the the good, the good and the bad at the same time. Like, I mean, to this, to touch wood, to 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 this point, we've we've not really had too much sort of criticism and not to our knowledge. Anyway. No, no, no. To like <laughs> online and stuff like that. Um, 
but obviously I know people talk and you know it's just and it's just natural like we do it ourselves like if you're not feeling the DJ set you just go yeah you, you know you just you just but leave I or I wouldn't, I wouldn't start like trolling them on the internet though. no people <laughs> there's no need very for strange. that yeah I would never just don't listen to them if you don't like it yeah, yeah I think <laughs> definitely a ne- you're a next level type of person if you have to you know put it on the internet and know that's yeah. going to contribute to someone feeling pretty shitty <laughs> uh, how do you have time just to go and, and I don't know write a shit comment to someone else's oh, yeah. <laughs> just move on like <laughs> well okay interesting but any one thing about uh, talking about time like um so you you both have full-time jobs and you are promoters you um, you play you dj you which means you also need to select a lot of music you also produce music what is your how does your typical day pre-coronavirus look like (laughs) so um i work um four days a week and um three of those days i do 12 hour shifts so on those days i do nothing music related because i'm just so tired so literally um on a month i'm off on a monday so that's generally my day to go in the studio Mm -hmm. um i'll generally um be writing music on that day or preparing for a gig um, and then the weekend is generally just preparing for gigs or or playing out um, so yeah I'd say that's probably my my working week yeah, yeah. my my job um, my new I started the, the like my new job uh, like last September and it's been like literally one of the busiest periods of my life um, like my job was really uh took every sort of last bit of energy from me so um and but I thoroughly enjoyed it so the last sort of uh sort of yeah but I'd probably say the last five months more importantly have been like super super busy um so probably had been struggling to balance um but uh everything was really at the weekends um and uh, anything that you know obviously during the week and stuff i mean usually like yeah. i will i'll listen to music and stuff through the week um and then sort of like collate that into like you know if i'm ordering it um or yeah i don't really have unfortunately i don't have time to go to record stores because obviously we've been at um being at work during the week um and then on the weekends we're usually djing or preparing for like gigs or you know making music or whatnot it's it's been really difficult to to sort of go into to record shops and stuff um which is a shame um but yeah like i order pretty much all my stuff from uh sort of either Bandcamp or mostly juno yeah um so yeah like through the week i'll just go through you know i'll see all the new releases and stuff and then like collate that over the course of the week and then you know when i get a spare like like hour or something I'll go through it again uh like I'll put stuff in my basket during the week and then or you know order it um and go from there or listen wow. to promos and stuff that gets sent but um yeah so it's been a bit different the last like the last sort of five six months to be fair so um everything has been pretty much squeezed into the weekends isn't it yeah I think um, you've been struggling with time more so yeah you? definitely 
yeah, not now. But you can go to record stores anyway. <laughs> no. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and we can't afford to buy records at the moment. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Although I did manage to just before uh, like my last pay, my last paycheck, I got a uh, got a, a bunch of records off Juno, knowing full well that I shouldn't have uh, done it couldn't afford it but you know but this, these might be the last ones I get for a while so yeah but you support also the industry so let's put it this way so uh, yeah, yeah. I see like that and I've donated to like quite a few sort of like campaigns and yeah. like um like sort of more crowdfundery things so and I've bought you know a few bits and bobs here and there like a t-shirt and um and and stuff like that so um yeah, I think uh, there's there's other you know we, you know we're lucky that we are still getting paid to some extent. So yeah, I'm yeah. Not, I think I'm still due to spend a bit more money. Uh, <laughs> money. Got, got, got some mixes coming up, so that's the justification for it now. So <laughs> makes sense. Yeah, but to be fair, there's not been as much like coming out really. Um, you know, there's there's not been nowhere near enough music, and it makes sense. Obviously, people are sort of maybe holding off. Yeah, uh, but I've not seen as much new stuff come onto uh, like like the record stores. Had a lot of promos, though, lots of promos, yeah, <laughs> but promos. just not physical. Yeah, it's interesting because I guess like producing vinyls now is harder than ever because it's just the supply chain of, of materials is blocked and yeah. it's very hard for people to do it to invest the money. But I think digital music, I think probably because people are putting more music out there. I think it's even harder for people to discover music. Um, I've, I've, we are, me and, and friends of mine are, are releasing more music these days. And even promos are, it, the response has been less when we send out promos, because I think people have, first of all, people have, don't have gigs. So there's yeah. less reasons to actually select music, but also there's probably too many, too many promos that the, everybody's yeah. Yeah, it's, it's a shame, isn't it, really? Because like people are putting everything into that body of work and then mm. for it to happen during this period is yeah. really quite difficult. Mm. Um, you know, people, I think people are, are switching off a lot as well. I think they're like being like presented with this really weird time where they can do whatever they want and, and see who, uh, so we just do whatever they want during the day and sort of almost, it can be counterproductive to... Yeah, to, to you, because I know that I sort of probably like just switched off a little bit mm. and just wanted to like, you know, de-stress from from work and the situation and have maybe just like, yeah, put the, the, the barriers up a little bit and yeah. want to do it again on my own time. Yeah, I mean, we've not obviously been going out, so <laughs> where are you getting your inspiration from? Mm. It's, yeah, not felt inspired. So. No, and I don't think people should feel obliged to be um, making music. Like, you know, some people are just always going to do that. But yeah, I don't think you should feel obliged to. Um, you know, it can be like a, a time where nobody really wants to do anything. And just, you know, if you're not, yeah. A lot of my friends I've been speaking to, DJs, producers, they've, not all of them have been very inspired. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we should make that a bit more, uh, make people a bit more aware it's okay to feel uninspired and uncreate, uh, not creative and just 
just to exist if you want to just exist and watch netflix and stuff <laughs> you can and shouldn't feel guilty for it because yeah. nobody gets a chance to to sort of relax to this extent i guess yeah, yeah. it's another reset like a human reset um, yeah so hopefully uh, for it yeah hopefully hopefully it's going to benefit a lot of us like also disconnecting from a lot of um, uh, superficial stuff that we might get stuck into uh, yeah definitely hope yeah and in, in terms of like so your sets are your music your selection is is quite diverse like you you tend to mix in your mixes a lot of stuff like let's call them subgenres but like different styles of music yeah. which i think is is unique also being in the underground music scene because a lot of people tend to be let's say i wouldn't say monochromatic but they tend to stick to one type of style because yeah. I think the, the, the idea is that that, is, that becomes their own signature sound, while you kind of have a broader selection. What do you think is, like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, you, do you feel you have a broad selection of music? Do you want to have that, like, a lot of uh, different music in your sets? And do you think is that useful to your, is that representative of what you believe in music? Yeah, I, I think we probably used to have more of a, broader selection didn't we when we first mm. well maybe not when we first started out but maybe a few years back we used to sort of mix it up we'd be playing electro house techno I'd, I'd say more so now we are it is mainly just techno isn't it but we do move through subgenres so. of techno it's not just one style of yeah. techno yeah for the whole set and that's how we sort of build our sets we will it, yeah, we, we don't sort of like to play one style and we do switch it up within the realms of techno, I guess, now. Yeah. Yeah, it's, um, that, that keeps it interesting for us and that's how we plan our sets. So we'll have yeah. sections. Mm -hmm. um, so as long as we sort of, we'll discuss like, okay, what sections we're taking with us. Yeah. And then we build a set through that so we know that, you know, if one of us dips into that, uh, to that section and we know we're, the other person is covered yeah. to sort of follow suit. So that's how we've had to like physically arrange music when we take it to gigs. Yeah, I think you can sort of tell like from the crowd as well when you need to change it up a little because um, it can get a bit monotonous. So yeah, yeah I think now though, like um, we sort of used to have, have to say to each other, shall we change it up? But now it's like, we, we just do it and we know just like, when's the right time to do it. So, yeah. But I mean, but, we can we can always, um, we've always been able to play a range of genres and stuff. So, we, something we feel comfortable in, but maybe, maybe getting less so, because we've probably not been buying music of that, like, yeah. You know, we'll buy the odd bit and whatnot, but probably don't buy as much varied music as we used to. Not right. enough to build a set from anyway. No, so. and we'd have to, yeah, we'd have to sort of, yeah, uh -huh. it would yeah. probably be a bit more difficult. But yeah, we are, we do feel comfortable playing anything, and you know, we're not we're not scared to play like, you know, jungle or just yeah. like rave and stuff like that in our sets and you know still can still sort of like marry it into a techno set if we wanted to i think it just really depends on like the crowd like we played at chapter 10 this year um sort of pretty much just before everything kicked off really uh -huh. with um the pandemic and uh yeah that was like one of those occasions where like we played mainly techno but we were also like 
like playing a little bit of like booty uh electro and stuff like that and you know the crowd that you could just play anything with that crowd and almost you want to play something a bit more fun you don't want to just give them like four four straight like yeah because you know the crowd's about so much more um so yeah we can can switch up and i do enjoy playing booty (laughs) so much so always one of my fave things to play yeah i i love that too and i think it's i think I fully agree with you. It's it's down to the crowd eventually. Like there are some crowds that enjoy slightly different things, and in a way, I think it's nice to have uh, an interaction. So not being there and being like, oh, I'm just gonna play whatever I want to play. Yeah. Listening more to the feedback to the crowd of the crowd, and and then you build yeah. your set as diverse as the crowd can. Yeah. Play, I think. Yeah, definitely. The crowd has a big part to play. Yeah. You know, you shape your sets. Yeah, and, and, and interestingly, interestingly, I I think I've been seeing more and more music uh, from techno associated labels that is a bit more diverse. So there's a lot of like drum and bass coming back, uh, or type yeah. of lo-fi um, house hardcore as well that is coming into the techno labels. Uh, yeah, I think that would translate into oh, sets. A lot of hardcore, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like we've seen like quite a lot of like uh, the last couple of years, haven't we? Like a resurgence of like rave and UK hardcore into like incorporated into to techno and stuff. Mm. Like maybe sort of like I feel like Dax J was like one of the ones like um it, like when he was like just coming up, he was like really bringing that sound and um it was like really fresh for everyone to hear. Like some he was so different in what he was doing. Uh, and I still think we're riding out that wave uh, at the moment. Uh, it's maybe coming to an end, that sort of ravey, sort of stabby, fast, like 140 maybe plus techno now. It's probably, uh, well, just that sound anyway, like definitely stuff is getting faster and staying fast, which I'm happy about. But um, yeah, it'd be, I'm intrigued to see how stuff sort of progresses at the moment. I definitely feel like we've, we've gone into more of a... Um, sort of like we're seeing sounds and styles reminiscent of like the early 2000s um like glenn wilson sound and stuff um and i love it this for me it's like really interesting to see uh like this sound coming back it's my favorite so Mm -hmm. yeah uh, it's been recycled but very well yeah Yeah, it's it's an interesting moment and also i think things are, are are cyclical to a certain extent so now it's going i guess like the if we if story repeats itself like there was a the 90s when the music was kind of similar to what is getting to now and then after that there was the huge minimal super slow time so yeah. it was almost like went up 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 with energy and and speed and then it went down 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 pretty yeah. to the other direction Let's see if it happens the same way or maybe we shift to something else as a taste. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if we start playing slower. Like, yeah. like interestingly, um, I was going through my records and there was like some some records which um, like I really loved, like maybe like 2015, 16 vibes. And it was, I was trying to play it into like the music I'm buying at the moment and they just didn't go fast enough to reach 
preach it. And it's interesting to see that like music sort of settled around like one three five, one three six max. Yeah. Um, a few years ago, like, well, what was you we know? Have dreamt of playing one forty plus back then. No, no, <laughs> and you know, and yeah, it's just it's just really interesting. Like I was like, oh, I can't play this record. I can't take it out of me because I know we'll be playing <laughs> one four three by the end of the night or something like that, and it just wouldn't fit in. So it's quite quite interesting. It is interesting, and, and it's interesting what, what Tasha, what you, you were saying, uh, like, uh, hopefully not, uh, I don't go to the slow music. I, I don't know why, like, everybody I, I seem to, to know that is into music uh, says, like, I hope, like, we never go back to the minimal years. I don't know why. It's like, yeah. it's, uh, I, I don't know why it pissed so many people off, like. Uh, I, I suppose I, I'm just not into that sort of sound, yeah. never have been, like, it doesn't do anything for me, so, yeah. Going, yeah. Going. So interesting because I remember, like, I, I come from uh, from Rome in Italy, and and that was huge. Like the the whole minimal thing was crazy yeah. huge. Like it was, everybody was playing that stuff, listening to that stuff, going to the clubs, they were playing that stuff. And somehow, if you ask people about that music now, everybody says, "No, no, no never going." Oh, really? <laughs> it will definitely come back around, though. Yeah. It will definitely come back around, and I imagine in ten years or whatever, people there'll be kids getting into it, and they'll yeah. be like discovering those tunes as if they were like you know the future in a way yeah brand new but also you know you see it with like people discovering um like old tech house records and people like you know I, they're not my cup of tea but I find like the younger sort of kids coming through are like this this track's like amazing and for me it just doesn't do anything but I just think it's like reminiscent of like the era you grew up in, if you've grown up with that and you just yeah. never really yeah. connected with it, but to another generation, it'll be amazing. So it's sort of almost like very, it also depends on like where you're from hmm. and the movement you were involved in at the time. So like, um, you know, like I can, I can listen to like, uh, like, like, um, like music from, okay. Like, let's think like trance 90s trance classics that will just like you know I'm not like a huge like a proper trance fan but when I was growing up and my sisters were listening to that style of music I know for some of the people like it just completely is the worst thing ever but when you grow up and you associate your youth with that type of music you can't help but have a soft spot for it um and it's like you know holds a special place in your heart even though it might be cheesy um but yeah i think that'll probably be the same with you know like you say from rome you'll maybe have a soft spot for minimal just because it's you know very big uh, <laughs> for the records i i don't i i, <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't like it a lot, but no but yes but totally totally agree with what you say like the it's it's so true especially like when you link it to early experiences in your life that you connect to like it's that becomes almost like your part of you, part of your background, your ethos. Yeah, like, yeah. It's, yeah, it's like hard house in the UK. It's like some of those songs are just like so badly made, but you just can't, <laughs> like you just love it. It makes me very nostalgic listening to it. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting also because it's always connected to the experiences you can think of. And, and that also would help explain why like genres are so subjective, like preferences for genres is very subjective. I think it's because yeah. people are connected to that kind of niche or experiences. And so people yeah, don't understand it. Yeah. Always, always the case.
Yeah. Um, last couple of questions, uh, and we go toward the wrap up. Uh, so you played in in, a, in body room in, in London in roughly at the end of 2016. How how was the experience? So what do you remember of that? I remember being very nervous. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. It was uh, it was good though in the end it was actually really good I was quite surprised that we played pretty well didn't we yeah um completely different to how we would play now um but yeah it was a, a really good experience it, you didn't like I was expecting there to be cameras like everywhere and them to just be in your face constantly but it, it wasn't like that was it it no. was just were quite hidden so you sort of just relaxed a bit and got into it so it was good and had quite a few friends come over for it so that was nice just to see familiar faces in the crowd but yeah um it, it was a really good experience yeah I, really I enjoyed good. it there's uh we had like a really really fun after party uh which like one thing that stood out in particular <laughs> was um so like obviously Ben Sims had asked us to play which was like a like so good at you know at the time um and then like we had an after party with him and like obviously everyone cut loose a bit too much tasha in particular <laughs> and she was uh she i don't know why this the, the do you know you like just get a bit silly don't you yeah after parties yeah. and yeah so um me and ben were just messing about and for some reason i was getting up on like a kitchen stool like jumping onto him when he was sat on the sofa but he was encouraging me and then I think I went to do it like the third time and I, I knocked him in the mouth and I broke his tooth wow <laughs> wow <laughs> it was really bad actually but I was a bit pissed and whatnot so like right. just like oh it'll be fine I work in a dental practice you can get that fixed it's fine and wow. um, his wife was there actually and she was furious I was she could make now so <laughs> I was furious I was absolutely <laughs> furious because I told Tash I was like look don't like I just had a feeling something bad was gonna happen and like me and Rachel Ben's wife were, were just sort of like we knew I we think we both knew something was gonna happen and surely uh sorry sure enough like his tooth snapped in half and like it wasn't in half well it, it wasn't that much. bad it, it was a, a good chunk out of it but i wouldn't say it was in half yeah i would be, would be furious <laughs> if that happened to me put it that way i'd still be fuming if it happened to me yeah <laughs> he took it very well though yeah, yeah. i think because everyone was like he was quite drunk and so were you <laughs> You didn't so, realise yeah. that until the day after, probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I had to send him a message the day after, like, I'm so, so sorry. <laughs> but, um, wow. no, he was all about it. He was fine. Yeah, it's a good, <laughs> it's a good story to tell now. Yeah. It, <laughs> the time I was so, like, Tash, you really need to sort your life out. Yeah, it was quite <laughs> funny, actually. So we had him playing for us, like, the following year. Yeah. So, um... In his hotel room, we left him a mouth guard. <laughs> it happens again. <laughs> so, yeah, it was quite funny. And he, yeah. and he probably worried when he, when he met you again. I was like, okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> <Throwing> his mouth. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. No, it was, the boiler room was a really good experience, though. And it's definitely it's helped as a catalyst, doesn't it? Yeah. To, to where we got to, to, to this point. And we were actually meant to be playing um another boiler room um but it got cancelled naturally as you'd expect um mm -hmm. it was meant to be in the middle of march 
think it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, and it was going to be a hard dance one in Istanbul. Wow. Um, we were really excited to play it. There was, um, there was, was it Remco? Big girl. Lockyer. Yeah, and there was, uh, was there else? who else was playing? But yeah, it was meant to be uh, really, yeah, I was really looking forward to it. We both were, but you know, hopefully it can be rescheduled, but it's quite cool to, you know, that we were asked to play it even uh, if it doesn't yeah. come to fruition again. But yeah. um, that would have been like, you know, a nice way to sort of, it's like an update on your sound, isn't it really? Yeah. Very cool. So, yeah. It must yeah. be also interesting to watch it like uh, four years apart and be like, okay, this is us four years ago and now, yeah. <laughs> like crazy. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah, so excited, hopefully that, you know, I'm, sh I'm sure it'll be rescheduled, but it'll be nice to sort of, uh, to see, to, to be given the experience to play exactly how we want now, you know, a hard dance boiler room sort of gives you the the sort of um, the card to to do what you want. you want. Yeah, <laughs> so it's very cool. Yeah, and and eventually you also ended up releasing on Ben Sims label on uh, on Machine. So the the how did that go? Like, are you happy with the result? You released it two years ago, almost like now. Mm -hmm. How was the process? Do you enjoy? working with him uh, after the yeah. accident. <laughs> well, he asked us to do it, so yeah, he's still that mad. <laughs> no, he still speaks to us, which is, yeah, we still, we're still really good pals with Ben. Um, we hopefully, fingers crossed, have him playing um, in November if everything goes ahead. So the first time he's been back to play for us in a couple of years. But mm -hmm. um, the question, I'd like with that track, to be honest, like, First and foremost, we are DJs rather than producers. So yeah. um, I, I wouldn't say that we were 100% happy with it, but it's like, it, 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 it's, it's all right. <laughs> like, yeah. I wouldn't, yeah, it's not my favorite production of ours, but. It's a stepping stone, really, right? Eventually it's like, I think it's a stepping stone to where you are now. It was made to yeah, be part of your and Obviously it was our first track as well. and. We Ben actually asked us like maybe six months before for a track, mm -hmm. but then we we didn't hear anything from him. And then like two weeks before it was due to be submitted, he was like, uh, "How are you getting on with that track?" And we're like, "Oh shit! Like we've not even done anything." So, like, uh, yeah, it was a bit of a, a mad rush to to get it done. Yeah, and but we're really grateful to him for him you know to ask us to do it and yeah and he seemed happy with it like yeah he was happy with it so and also um off the back of that track we ended up playing at trezor um for uh marine's night uh she she runs the new faces party so right. yeah that was really nice that she she really did the track so yeah. I think we're always going to be critical of our own work. So I don't think I'm ever going to be one of those people that's 100% happy with, you know, what we're producing. So, and there's always room for improvement as well. So yes. where do you stop? So yeah. we'll get, like, we'll get there eventually, but I just think it'll be a lot slower because, yeah, being, for me, like, it's always been um, important to just be happy with, I'd rather be a, a DJ over a producer any day. And I think I have to, you know, it took a few years of like, just trying to, to, you have to be honest with yourself. And it's like, I'm not gifted at production. Um, and you know, it's definitely 
always been a struggle. So as but as long as I'm giving like 110% in my DJ, well, we are giving 100%, yeah. 110% in our DJ sets, then that, you know, doesn't make me feel too unhappy. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I think ultimately you're going out to see a DJ um, play a good set. So as long as that's on point, I mean, it's an absolute, I think it's incredible if you can be um, good at both. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I think there will always be, yeah, and I I do always think there'll always be one, one sort of thing that you, you're better at, um, you know, so yeah, um, but we'll get there. We will get an EP together. We are work, we are, you know, producing and we'll get there, but it will just be slower. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And and it's very personal, uh, as long as you are happy with the, with the DJ, like, do you really have to produce? Not really. I, mean, I think it's no, and we've sort of said to ourselves, we're not going to rush it. Like, yeah. there's no point in rushing things. We'll put stuff out when we're happy with it. So, um, not putting too much pressure on ourselves there. Yeah. So it's, yeah, yeah. It's a great thing. And um, yeah, going toward the wrap up. One question is, um, if you were to leave one piece of advice or one of your acquired skills to any of your hypothetical daughters or, or kids, uh, what would that be? One each, one each of you. Anything you've yeah. learned in this year that you think would be interesting for someone to, to pass it on to someone else? Uh, I guess I, I, I would, if I, if I had kids, I would lo- love to teach them how to DJ. But, <laughs> I mean, it's pretty difficult in it like you've tried it with your nieces and nephews <laughs> things sort of like switch off don't they but um advice wise i'd just say do what makes you happy really yeah. i not really gonna wouldn't push them to do anything that they didn't really want to do so yeah just do what makes you happy yeah i think also just um yeah I think it's easy it's so easy to say this now from a position of like you know where where we've managed to get to but also just like sticking to what you really like want to do and don't be influenced by you know social media I mean it's easy for everyone to look at social media um and be influenced to think you should be doing something but just stick to what your own path and you know, sort of stuff will come to you. Yeah, yeah. Usually. Super important to remind ourselves of this uh, and not carry, get carried over with, uh, with just being envious of other people. I don't know. Yeah, I think it really yeah. helps to just switch off from social media because, you know, sometimes if you've, you know, again, it feeds into the creative mind, that, you know, comparison. Mm-hmm. You're always comparing yourself with, with other people. So I think as you mature a little bit, you start to be like, do you know what? You're on your own path and you shouldn't let other people cloud your vision. Um, that's, yeah, it's a skill to do that. But, you know, everyone everyone does it in every aspect of, you know, their lives. So, yes. yeah. yeah, it's just a natural sort of human uh, sort of... Behavior, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, totally, yes. Um, this is... A, a, we're going to leave the last question. So one, what question would you like us to ask to our next, next guest in the ending? <laughs> mm. <laughs> uh, What's your favorite sandwich filling? 
interesting. <laughs> I, I would say, yeah, ask them what their guilty, their real guilty pleasure is, like music-wise. Can we so, have two questions then, one each? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Because, you know, all these super cool DJs can't be listening to cool music all of their life. They've got to have grown up on some, like, cheesy sort of music. So I'd be keen to know their real guilty pleasure, yeah. I love this question, I guess. (laughs) 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 Who knows, like, who's going to get the question? It's going to be interesting. (laughs) (laughs) And as as you can imagine, and don't blame me for the messenger for that, but I have a question for you from our previous guest. Okay. Is um, do you still speak with your previous boyfriend, your first boyfriend or girlfriend? No, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. I've, I've um, that was a long time ago, <laughs> and I live in different countries now. So yeah. yeah, not that I wouldn't speak to them if I saw them in the street, but yeah. But <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I don't no. either. <laughs> yeah, no. although Lily, we speak to Lily. Yeah, yeah. Tashi's ex is actually one of our good friends, but like your first boyfriend or girlfriend, no. No, no, that was first. years ago. Yeah. Too old to speak with them anymore. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Great. Yeah. This has been an absolute pleasure. Super fun to uh, speak with you and meet you and via uh, by by screen, but very fun. Um, yeah. Any, any latest projects, any, anything you would like to point people's attention to? anything that you think is important yeah so um we've got a few mixes coming up so um there's one for ravage which will be quite cool i think that's coming out on the 18th of may yeah and uh we've we're doing one for a party called inferno oh in London, yes yeah, yeah so another um, and there's a live recording of um, our set when we played at um, Inner City in Leeds. Um, that's for Red Bull. So, yeah, a few bits coming out. We wouldn't usually put that many mixes out, but obviously with the current situation, sort of, yeah, yeah we So, yeah. Um, also, um, we're doing a remix for Road Ranger. So, that's... Yeah. That should be. I'm not too sure when that's coming out, yeah. but um, he's an artist that we're really. He's probably one of my favourite artists at the minute. Um, like really bringing that old school sound, uh, back with a sort of like a modern take on it. Um, and he's from. I forget where he's. It's. Uh, he's. I think he's a resident at Layman Club, in. Yeah. Um, yeah. In yeah. Um, wow. So yeah, he's. Um, he's like really, really, like sort of just. Not not come out of nowhere, but he's just gaining a lot of momentum at the moment. Yeah. Um, so yeah, really really loving his stuff. Um, so yeah, we're doing a remix for him. So I'm not sure when that's coming out. Um, and other than that, we're doing a live stream uh, oh. tomorrow for the Queen's Queen's Yard Summer Party. Uh, so that's I'm not sure when this is coming out. Yeah, <laughs> actually, good point. Yeah, so uh, that'll be all up on our Facebook anyway. So if anyone fancies. Amazing, yeah. Cheers. And I'll make sure that uh, I'll ask you the, all the links, uh, the relevant links after the uh, yeah, after this chat. So we'll, we'll link yeah. everything in the show notes. Um, but yeah, yes. thank you. It has been a pleasure. Very good to meet you. And, and thank you for making time. Thank Brilliant. you Brilliant. Thanks so much, Joseph. Right. Take, Take care. care. My pleasure. Bye-bye. Have a good day. Bye. 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 Bye.